So morning, everybody. Um, welcome to this episode of The Wellbeing Wire. Today, I'm joined by David Smart to discuss the question of should GPs be putting stress on a sick note? So David, just before we jump in, can you just tell my audience why they should listen to you on this subject? Well, I think I've, I've been a GP myself, so I guess that's one bit of your a, a question. I've been a GP for 30 odd years. And, um, and then also I've had a particular interest around mental well-being and stress particularly in stress in the workplace, and I've been stressed. So I think I, I, I satisfy quite a few of the criteria for the question. <laughs> yeah, you definitely tick the boxes. Brilliant. Okay, so let's, let's jump into this subject then. So, yeah, we know it's quite a common thing for somebody to go to a GP and to be signed off work with, with stress. Now, in, in my opinion, I'm not sure whether that's actually, is that the most productive thing we could be doing? Now, I know it could be down to GP's lack of time, um, but I'll be really interested to, what, to, what, to hear what you think. Do you think GPs should be signing people or putting stress on the sick note? I think let's just kick off with um, people come in and they present some symptoms. They tell their story and then a GP is going to be sitting there thinking, um, what's going on? How can I best help make use of my skill, diagnostic skill? And then we're thinking, is this stress? Is this depression? Is this anxiety? Is what is What's going on? And so I think that's the first point of just that conversation of what's going on, um, I think, is, is, is the first thing. Should we and stress, I think, is when people my feeling of it is when it's a perceived issue. It's a personal issue. I can't say you're stressed. Only you can tell me you're stressed. And it's you know, it, it's not diagnostic for me to say if you know, I thought somebody's depressed or anxious, I'll put they're depressed or anxious. So it's, it's below that criteria for that. And it's the perception that somebody is telling me that they are feeling overwhelmed more than their capacity to cope with it is. And it's their perception that matters, the perception of their workload, their perception of what they've got to cope with. So if I stop there, maybe just that's the first point. OK, and that's interesting. You mentioned the word overwhelm. We'll come back to that in a moment. Um, so you, we talked about it being below the level of anxiety or depression or anything, which in the, the DSM, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual that, that GPs would use to diagnose, stress isn't in there, isn't it? Because it's not actually a medical term, is it? But I think a lot of people think it is, don't they? think it's a medical thing. Well, I think it's how we describe. I, I think there's a, I, I like it that, you know, we get um, stressed. You need stress to get up in the morning. If you're not stressed, then you're locking the lie in bed. You get distress, then you're getting a little bit you know, worse. Then you get disease. Okay, you're now not beginning to sleep. You're feeling physically diseased. Then you get diseased. In other words, that DSM criteria. That's the way I look at it. It's a kind of progressive um, scale of 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 of, of moving moving down. I think a, a point is, let's say somebody. You know, just to be controversial here. let's say somebody comes in and says well i want some time off doc you know i need i need a bit of space is that any bad thing if that person is recognizing they need some self-care self-management they need to take time off now people can take time off they can take up to a week without a doctor's note so that's the first point to make is if people are going to the gp and it did frustrate me i must be honest then people come and say well, i want some time off i just want to take a few days off and i think well you needn't have come to me um that could that point could have been used for somebody else so that's that's the first point really that people can just self-certificate for the first seven days um and 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 then and you know maybe are gps the right person that's maybe another question but it will come to that yeah i guess i guess so somebody if they want some time they could just take holiday couldn't they 
if they yeah. if they need a bit of time to, to regroup. I think it's the the bit I have an issue with is the that it's used the, the time off is used as a automatic. Oh well, if you're ill, time off makes you better physically. But if there's something going on mentally, is time off always the best thing? A lot of time for them on on our own. What would you say to that? I think it's a really that's a really difficult debate and it's one that you know what we want to have is a lot longer than the 10 minutes we've got in a gp consultation just to push that to and fro um between somebody i mean often i would think well actually this sense of well, what is depression what is anxiety it's a a stuckness a kind of a difficulty in kind of progressing your thinking and and it is a disease in itself but often it can be really helped by taking pressure off so that level of distress sometimes does need that taking a step back, regroup, doing, beginning to reprogram what you do that keeps you well, which you may not have been doing, because a lot of people, when they get overwhelmed, whoa, what's the first thing we cut out? I know when I get overwhelmed, what's the first thing I cut out is my exercise, which is one thing that does keep me well. So I'll go on shorter cycles. Um, maybe might not see my friends much. I'll just keep working, busy, busy. Um, but actually, I'm not really helping myself. And then that cuts into my sleep. So those are things that happen. So when we get, yeah, OK, I'm going to take some time out. I'm actually know and take some pressure off. Oh, I can go off a cycle. I can actually see my friends. I can regroup. So, yes, I think it's good. Now, the question is, how long? And is this good for you know, a long time? Um, and um, and I think the really massive evidence base is the best thing for your mental health and well-being is to be in work providing you're not being bullied yeah. now, if you're not being bullied then your best things to have and that means meaningful activity you know for those people who don't have a job it might just be being being meaningful activity it could be just doing the regular things they do in the gardening or volunteering or being at home uh, with with a family you know so these are meaningful activities are the best thing we can do long term out of meaningful activities lack of structure whoa you know, people who've been unemployed for years or months will tell you the difficulty that causes to the mental health. Yeah, absolutely. And we know that, I think, the last time I looked at it, the UK was bottom out of the, when we are in the European Union, out of the, the EU countries for getting people back to work. And it seems that that six week is a bit of a cliff edge, isn't it? Where if someone's off for more than six weeks, the chance yep. doesn't come back at all. So I guess that brings me back around to this idea, adding, building on what you were just saying, David, somebody taking time out, they're going to regroup and going to do certain things. They've got things in place and structure. That's one side. What about the people that aren't? They're just thinking, actually, GP signed me off on, with stress, time off. I think that's a really interesting one. One thing I used to do purposely, and that's this, and again, but maybe a bit controversial, but I used to put stress on the sick note because under UK law, your employer has a responsibility to manage stress at work. So I would actually not just put stress, I'd put stress at work mm. in, as a definition to say actually that therefore means under the, I think, health safety executive law. And then they would then need to do something. They would need to do an assessment of that person. They would then need to actually then make sure they're now a lot of people, they're not bullied, but they're quite, but you can pick up, they're really being pressured into situations which they feel are unjust and unreasonable i have no idea i'm not an occupational health physician you know ideally i would want to say okay toddle off to an occupational health physician they will do a full assessment you know what training have i had to make assessments of people's workplace well-being not a lot and i've got an interest in mental health so um so actually all of this means um but 
all this means where there should be a better occupational health program per se the second point i'm making though is that stress at work should be addressed by the employer and there is a statutory legal responsibility for them to do so so me writing stress on the gp note is um you know stress at work is is purposeful um for them to have to address it so i think that's a opportunity i think um the big issue is, is it a good idea for people to sit, sit at home doing nothing? Uh, and, and, and that is not good for your mental health. Um, it's not good for our nation. It's not good for your use of your skills and functioning. But really, um, you know, but there again, I'm reading a great book at the moment about overwork and how we may be addicted to work. So I think there is a balance to be set. Um, so I'll just put that uh, thing. Do you want to come back in? Yeah, that, so that maybe feeds, feeds into the, I get when I'm delivering training, I talk about this sort of Goldilocks idea that, you know, the pressure porridge, if it's too cold, you're bored, it's not good. If it's too hot, you're overwhelmed. You come back to that word used earlier, but getting that sweet spot where pressure's just right, you know, we're, and if we are, I guess this is why, the, why I have the issue with the, the sick note and time off for stress, because the, where's the pressure? With that pressure porridge is cooled right off. So when the person does come back into the workplace, they come back in a weakened form if they've been off for more than maybe a couple of weeks or so. It's like when we have time off at Christmas, you notice when you try and get back into your work routine, it's a lot more difficult. So, but if we've got pressures and, and structure every day through the workplace and through other activities, we're, we're in a better condition to, to be able to contend with life. So I think that's the main reason why I have the issue with um, the, the stress and sick note and long-term absence. I, 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 I get where you're coming from. So let's just come unpick that a bit, because I think what's good for mental health and well-being is what we're kind of about. We want that, you know, as you're saying, that sweet spot, that balance in life. Um, I think in the West, in the UK, we've got it wrong um, with being with too much focus on our achievement at work. And we value ourselves at what we do at work. And actually, I think much more value of you know, looking at what we do in our social and uh, at home um, would be a greater opportunity for our total well-being. So that's a point to make. But I think it's doing function things to meaningful. So it's actually if you sat at home and then just, all right, I'm off with stress, I'm going to have a duvet day, and I'm just going to lie in bed all day. Well, A, your muscles get weaker. And literally, as you were saying, you get atrophy and you weaken up. B, you know, um, you know that's not, not good for just your your balance. So some people who've had actually been in hospital, they've been or in bed for a number of days, even your balance system can go off. So you get a bit wobbly. So literally wobbly. Also, you're not making contact with other people, socializing. And again, so all of these three things impact on your mental well-being and also your sense of purpose, um, sense of what you're doing, meaning is drifting because you're there and it's unstructured. And so all of those things are not good. So if yes, duvet days, just occasional few hours, but but actually duvet days where really we're spending days in bed, that is massively not good. And people who go into hospital even for a week get muscle atrophy and and, and problems. So sitting around, not good. Yeah. Absolutely. But but time out to let the porridge cool, should we say, when it's got over hot maybe um to use your analogy and give a bit of breath on it you know give a bit of a okay how am i going to cool it down um that's maybe not a bad thing 
Okay, so so perhaps then uh, it's the idea that if somebody, and this maybe comes where social prescribing comes in, someone has time off, but it's to help them do things that are meaningful, to put things in place that are meaningful to, I guess, like on a prophylactic basis. So when they do come back to the workplace, they've got more going on in their life that enables them to handle these things. Because I think for me, when it's, if there's stress in the workplace, there's a there's obviously a root cause. There's something in that workplace that's causing that person to feel that way. If we don't address that, but we remove the person from the situation, what happens then when they come back to the workplace in a maybe slightly weakened form after five weeks off? What, what would you say to that? I think absolutely spot on. I think that the issue is the, what you said there was the root cause. Go to the, you know, I think Desmond Tutu said, if uh, you know, we need to stop kind of pulling people out of the stream, we need to look and see who's pushing them in. So go to the workplace and think, okay, what needs to be going on? What, you know, is there a conversation to HR? So I would say to people, I think you need to write a letter to HR and just say, write down what you've told me and, and just write it down, chat it through with friends and get it into the right place um, so that you can do that. I think go to the root cause. The second thing I think is, is have that structured approach of how you're going to use the time. Um, we need not to be too time addicted, kind of stretching all of our time to do everything. Sometimes we do need just that bit of daydreaming, doodling, um, going for, you know, going for a walk and doing stuff. But, but generally speaking, having a structured approach to how you're looking at this problem, problem solving is a great thing. If you just Google that online, that was a specific tool. And actually they compared problem solving with antidepressants. And actually, that's it. super interesting. That teaching people problem-solving skills was almost effective, as as you know, for some aspects of depression, it wasn't quite reaching the same efficacy for severe depression, certainly, but for mild to moderate depression, this is some years ago, it was actually as good. So, in fact, antidepressants don't work for mild depression. So, actually, yeah. we're much better at thinking, what am I going to do differently? What am I going to do that's going to keep me well? What problem? You know, what are the solutions to the things I'm focusing? Don't run away from problems. Don't avoid avoiding i think that's a good motto I've, I've, that's one of my life mottos is avoid avoiding if there's something you need to do get on and do it and so and then use problem solving skills bring compassion bring compassion with itself compassion kindness to self in that problem solving moment because often we can beat ourselves up which is why we've got stressed Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I love that. Avoid avoiding. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna steal that from you if that's all. <laughs> I think I like because, and essentially, that's what with the problem solving. So you're saying that proved to be as do you say as effective as antidepressants uh, for mild depression? Yeah. In a in a mild setting, and hear me that antidepressants are probably the treatment of choice for severe depression or yes. to be offered for for that, but for yeah. mild. Um, really um problem solving is is is, is good and it's, it's part of a nice guidance is to have a problem solving um approach yeah and i guess there's never any side effects to problem solving well unless you get it wrong then that's that could be a side effect <laughs> but yeah i think that's a great idea because then it's teaching the person to rely on themselves rather than an external thing like a medication but not only in that scenario if they successfully solve the problem next time something similar arises they know i can do that i did it last time i can do it again and it's like a muscle we talked about atrophy in muscles let's talk about hypertrophy in muscles the building up of the muscles through through constant problem solving and i think that comes around to my bugbear about the stress and sickness it's it's not teaching us to confront something it's teaching us to back away from it and we know that that's not going to make us uh, more resilient and stronger in life. Let, let's talk about, you mentioned the word overwhelm. 
And that to me, when I talk about this whole thing about stress, that I think is what most people tend to be talking about in the conversation I've had. Because stress is different things to different people, just like happiness. But I think at the root is overwhelm. What, what would you say to that, David? I think it's that, it's that perception of, of, of overwhelming. But it's, it, it is, if I imagine that I've looked at this and thought it's like a seesaw. So if you've got your kind of, you know, we're talking about balance really in life. That's what we're, we're about balance, meaning kind of getting it right. Um, bit of a life's journey and every day is different. So, um, so really you see, so if you've got your work pressure is just more than your resources, you, you tip down into that negative sense of stress. If your resources are greater then then actually may tip too far into boredom. And you're right. They actually, if you're not actually getting, but actually, if you got it about balance, then you kind of you're in that equilibrium. So that's now. But the key point to this is it's our perception. So my perception of workload. If I'm a bit of a perfectionist and I want to get everything exactly right, I'm going to stack load a whole load of work on myself. And my boss or somebody else would say, "Why are you putting that pressure on yourself? I only wanted you to do eighty percent of the job, but you've done, you know, ninety-five. You know, so actually, it's that type of." perception of workload and i have to do it to this degree and then also it's a perception of our resources i need to do it all i I can't delegate i've got to do this it's my job and i can't share it i can't share this with my work colleagues or anything so actually it's my perception so both our perceptions perception of workload perception of resources the minute i take my foot off i don't need to do it at 100 percent. it's easier the minute i take my foot off i could involve others it's easier yeah. So actually, these are things you just need to, to have. But that sense of overwhelm, overwhelm is, is, I think that is what we mean by stress in a way. Um, yeah. um, you know, um, but, but stress also, just hear me on this one. This is if we change the hat we're wearing, instead of it being a critical hat, I'm feeling overwhelmed, I need to do something. And that kind of judgment, which is negative, and put in our curious hat, our curious hat, what's this teaching me? yeah how can i solve this i've got i've got some more what, what, what's this teaching me about my workplace maybe this job isn't for me maybe you know i've got need to have a confrontation with my boss let's be curious and if we use that curious hat then we can mitigate some of the negative effects of stress and there's an evidence base uh, around that yeah that's really interesting then so taking a more curious approach to the problems that arise how we're feeling therefore we gain a bit more insightful as opposed to just thinking blunt tool, time off, or just doing the same thing, reach for a can of beer, whatever it is, you know, there's indirect effects of feeling overwhelmed. And I think also if we did use the word overwhelm, it demedicalizes things. Because a lot of people have this fear in their body, you know, oh, if I'm stressed, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, I'll end up ill, I'll have uh, cancers, I'll uh, stomach ulcers, all those things we know that aren't, aren't true. There might be indirect effects of changing our lifestyle habits through feeling overwhelmed, which could create problems further down the line, like metabolic health and all sorts. But stress itself isn't doing those things, but people are terrified of, the, of this, of stress. So maybe, yeah, the word overwhelm, I think is really useful. Uh, I know, I, what, what do I want to ask you, David, actually? I want to imagine then, so we know we've got the problem with people, time off work and maybe not being able to come back after a certain period or leaving their jobs. What would you say if you were um, speaking to, you've got 10,000 managers in the room, um, or no, sorry, 10,000 GPs in the room, and you want to give them your insights on how we can make this sick notes, uh, putting stress on sick notes, how we can improve the situation. What what advice would you give them? I think, um just i'll take a step back to the context because actually 
what we need to do is to get better information for GPs and training in this issue. That's one. Two, we need to think through how this links to uh, Department for Work and Pensions, because actually we've, we've got the health service sitting over in one place and Department of Health and Workplace and Pensions in another. Yeah, actually, my choice to make a, a note um, mm. available affects um, that person's employability and their employment. Yeah. We need that conversation needing better. So what would I say? I think now there's the opportunity to use a fit note. So rather than saying to somebody, here's a stress a diagnosis we can actually say to make adjustments and there is the the opportunity to write on these notes much more detail about what would be helpful so you, you know you, you may you be fit to work and you can actually then specify a bit more detail so i think that right. type of process but that's it's not that you know, commonly used in in more detail and and i think it takes a bit more time and that's again the time pressure of gps and again for my Bigger question, I would say, are GPs the right person to be, you know, in this place of of making this decision? We have the medical record, um, but actually, in this situation, are, would it be better for there to be a DWP pathway that people could ring up a telephone line and say, "Well, look, this is what's going on for me. Somebody to be listened to," mm. and actually, maybe better adjustments for the workplace, maybe better integration with talking therapies so that actually this person actually is not they're not stressed they're depressed they're anxious they've got other issues going on in their mental health they need better guidance into that than they're getting so i think there we need to take a bit of a step back and think about how we can integrate dwp workplace well-being um you know uh, in, in into this in a greater um and, you know, better approach than we've got at the moment i would agree with everybody this isn't working um you know, and often it's automated. The reality of, we haven't mentioned, but the, op the real issue in general practice at the moment is we're so overloaded with work that actually this type of process is often done just by a, a quick request to the practice. And then it's automated back. You haven't even had any interaction with the yeah. health profession. So I think um, that's the reality of a broken system. Okay, so that I guess that would kind of you know going back to what I said about that the, in the British Medical Journal, I think it was they looked into global GP consultancy times. It was about just over nine minutes in the UK. So that would support or add evidence to what you're saying there. The fact they just don't have time, so they don't have time. So the easy thing to do is put stress on the sick note and time off, as opposed to there being someone like you mentioned. It could be a social prescriber. It could be someone linked to the Department for Work and Pensions that could have more time with them to explore the issue because the GP doesn't have it. Yeah, okay. and, and actually, hey, let's think about this. For, for, if we think from a workplace point of view, me signing somebody off costs the employer. Yeah. Why doesn't the employer then contribute to a system nationally? And actually, would that be more beneficial? Would we have more employment? Would we have more people functioning better in the workplace? Don't know. But actually, let's try some pilots and let's think up what could, what could be done differently. That sounds that sounds quite exciting, actually, thinking of a different way, because, as you said, what we're doing is definitely not working. It's not good for people to be out of work for extended periods of time. It's not good for the economy. It's not good for anybody. So hopefully if we can start to move forward in the future and start thinking about new ideas, thinking outside the box, do things differently, we might get to a stage where everybody's happy. Businesses are happy. People are happy. The economy is happy and we're all in a good place. And anything you can do to take bureaucracy off GPs, you'd also have happy GPs.
Right, okay. Okay, well, I'm sure nobody likes bureaucracy. Apart from bureaucrats, nobody likes bureaucracy anyway. <laughs> well, well, David, I want to thank you for your time. Thanks for, for popping in to, to discuss this question of, you know, should GPs be putting stress on sick notes? Listeners, I hope you've you found David's opinions and views really, really insightful and useful, as have I. I've learned some things from him. Um, I look forward to hopefully having David back on to discuss some more questions with his expertise as, a, as, a, as an ex-GP. I'm sure we'll be touching on lots of subjects like nutrition amongst GPs and all those sorts of things as well. David, is there anything that people aren't talking about in the world of workplace well-being that you think they should be right now? I think one thing for me, and I'm just about, I've literally ordered it, is um, their desk raise. I think we're sitting too long at our desks and I think actually are standing up more and moving more. So I think that to me and the whole ergonomics of um, how we sit and get crouched over a desk is a really big issue. Um, that for me would be one and I'd love to come back and, and particularly nutrition. That's a big one for me as I've left general practice and thinking what keeps me healthy. I can tell you um, loads of new stuff on nutrition coming out that um, we all need to be jumping on um, rather than um, just you know, the old stuff we've been doing. So good to talk, though, uh, Jonathan, and I uh, hope that's interesting. Brilliant. Yeah. And I'm sure they'll make some really interesting episodes about nutrition. I might have, could have you on with it. I've got a bioenergetics researcher who would come and join you to talk about that. I've got a physiotherapist who'd probably love to join you to talk about the back thing and standing up and us ha having more movement in our lives. So yeah, well, David, I want to thank you for your time. It's been a, it's been a great conversation. Um, hopefully listeners, you've, you've enjoyed this as much as I have, and I'll catch you all in the next episode of the Wellbeing Wire. Cheers, David. Cheers. Many thanks.